You're listening to the Stag Sports Network Podcast, only on FairfieldStags.com. Hey, Stags fans, welcome back to another Stag Sports Network podcast as we continue ramping up towards the fall 2020 semester. Uh, we've enjoyed these last couple of weeks where we've had the chance to chat uh, with Fairfield employees and administrators about what things are going to be like coming in to coming back to campus really for this fall semester. Now we're going to swing back towards the athletic side as I'm happy to be joined by also one of the newest members of the Fairfield Stags family, uh, the Senior Associate Director for Compliance and Student Services, Megan Miller. Megan, thanks for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm really excited to join you on this and uh, hopefully we can answer some questions that some people might have. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking questions. There's been a lot of things that are honestly still fluid, still even for myself. It's a little bit challenging to understand. We'll get to that in a minute. But first off, since you are the newest uh, member on SAP, welcome, of course. And uh, for you, what's the transition been like uh, coming over here and being a part of Fairfield University Athletics? Uh, it's been an interesting one. Uh, I was coming to the office when no one else was in the office, so learning things on, on my own a little bit uh, on the fly, um, but jumping on virtuals with people and uh, trying to meet people through a, a computer screen is, is a different type of thing that most people don't have to do um, when they're in their current position. So trying to meet people around campus and and getting to know my position as it integrates with the rest of the university um, has been very, very, very interesting. I would have to imagine if you're the only person on campus at times, finding your way around may be difficult because you can't just stop and ask someone, hey, where do I need to go now, right? Yeah, so I actually didn't leave the Walsh Center at all for the first while um, and then this weekend was moving and I actually stopped at a red mailbox and picked up a map so I knew where I was going um, to get around campus. Well it's nice to know that there are people now back on campus as you and I were talking beforehand. It's, uh, it's definitely been interesting over the last couple months but it's nice to see that uh, a little more populated around. So um, as we get into kind of what this semester is looking like, I did this with uh, Dr. Tom Murray and for those who didn't catch that show, a uh, chance to check with our faculty athletics representative to talk about his position. Same thing for you a little bit, though. There is a kind of a, I don't want to say a misnomer, but a common belief that someone that works in compliance, their job is basically to make sure that the student athletes are on the field and eligible. That's not really the case that much. Your job entails so much more. and It's really an extremely vital part of the university's department for athletics. Yeah, so a portion of my position is like more than 50% is making sure all students are eligible and on the field, whether or not they're incoming and certified through the NCA Eligibility Center or a continuing student from all their grades and classes and majors that they have to, their requirements from an academic standpoint. The other piece is, is all the rules and bylaws that the NCA puts forward and making sure that our coaches and staff, our student athletes, and also prospective students, faculty members, boosters, all understand um, what rules are in place and how to abide by them and also potentially not cause violations. Uh, we know it happens, but um, hopefully we can get educated enough that um, 
they are minimal in a sense, or what we call secondary violations. And if we're talking about trying to understand and really get the gist of what rules and regulations and what the consequences would be are, I can be fairly confident in saying that the past few months, basically, you've almost had to wipe the slate clean and try to understand what's going on for the coming athletics calendar. So I'm curious for you, as you've tried to dive through all this, what have been some of the more interesting changes that are going to be on the way for this year? Well, I think it's a lot of it still to be said at this point, because we really don't know what some, some things are going to be looking like. Um, recently, the NCAA just said that uh, we'll transition fall sports championships to the spring. Um, that's a big one. And what the rules like look like behind that. So right now, fall sports normally are practicing up to 20 hours a week um, and have competitions. So we're kind of in a little flux uh, right now until there's some decision making from the NCAA standpoint on what spring looks like from competitions and then what the rest of the semester and the fall looks like from practices. We'll get to what those fall student-athletes are doing in just a little bit, but I am very curious because, again, we're all kind of in the same boat of trying to understand what the next few weeks and months will be like. So what have you had actually conversations really with your counterparts at other schools to see what they're doing and trying to communicate uh, with their student-athletes and those around them or other things they maybe just picked up along the way as well? Yeah, um, I actually uh, have a uh, bi biweekly or twice a week, twice a month um, call with the MAC compliance office, our officers um, around the conference, and we share um, what each of us are doing, how we're handling it. Um, something that, uh, as recent as a few weeks ago, that came out is a, an opt out option for student athletes not wanting to participate because of whether or not uh, they have their own medical conditions or have family members that have um, high risks. So how does everyone handle, how, how are we as a processing um, office setting up rules and, and workflows on how to get that done? So um, we do a lot of sharing. Uh, it, there's no need to recreate the wheel if somebody else has already created it. So um, really just making sure everyone has the information as much as possible to allow student athletes and, and staff members to make those decisions. I can probably figure you've already had <clears throat> a fair few conversations with student athletes that have concerns, whether it is a pre-existing health ordeal or something along those lines, or maybe they're just purely unsure for one reason or another that they want to take the field this year. Um, mm -hmm. What have those conversations been like in trying to maybe give them a little peace of mind knowing that, yeah, there is going to be opportunities for you or possibly opportunities for you down the road? Yeah. Um, the, the conversations that I've had with students is they've, they've kind of made the decision um, already from a university and academic standpoint on the first. And then it's, what do we do about athletics on uh, second fold? So um, whether or not they're staying home um, and taking online classes. Well, if you're at home and you live in California, you're obviously not going to practice. So that's kind of like a formality in regards to an opt-out. Um, our university policy is that if you're taking online, you're not allowed on campus. So 
it kind of goes hand in hand with each other. But the, the student athletes, I think they they totally understand where their mindset is and, and the coaches totally get where the student athlete is. Um, it's a comfortability at this point in time um, and you don't want to risk somebody's somebody getting injured or getting COVID um, if they really are not fully um, invested at this invested in being on campus at this point in time so um, that's kind of where I've kind of had those conversations and the student athletes that have opted out are allowed to participate in virtual team meetings. So they're still connected to the program. They just are physically not on campus. And you talk about where the coaches also stand this as well. So I'm sure that you've had a number of conversations with the coaches and trying to manage all this because, you know, when you are a coach of a sports team, yeah, your main priority is to obviously coach and try to, get results but there's a lot more that goes into especially at the college level where you're dealing with so many other things and trying to balance everything that goes on this was not in their in the job description so what have those conversations been like to make sure that the coaches know that everything is gonna you know i guess kind of be okay yeah, I don't think this was in anyone's job description. <laughs> so um, I, I think just the the communication is the biggest part of of all of this, and knowing that we're all learning how to get through this together. So whether or not it's questions on a daily basis about like, hey, how do I do this in, in this setting now? This is how I normally do things. How do I do it now? Um, and just walking coaches through it from the aspect of can we still do it the same way or do we have to transition and and talk about something talk about it in a different sense well I mean if we're talking about kind of how coaches are handling the current workload as you mentioned a few minutes ago there's no competition going on it's mostly a some sort of a training only capacity for all the sports teams. Now, not going to ask you to get into what everybody's going to be doing. Obviously, we're going to kind of focus this on the fall sports teams right now. What are the capacity of the trainings right now, if there are e even any at the current moment? Yeah, so, so right now, um, as a university, we've decided this week we're taking it from a medical standpoint, getting clearances done. Next week, they'll start their eight hours um, of practices, and they'll gradually build up over the course of the next six weeks to uh, make sure that the student-athletes are healthy and staying fit, because obviously we don't want to cause any injuries that would then have them out for further seasons. Um, so we, we put together a systematic process for us to get back on the field. Um, and then from the NCA standpoint, we're still just waiting for what spring looks like. So that way we can adjust the fall accordingly um, and see if we can add in more. Uh, we're, we're teetering about adding in more hours um, as we go through the next few weeks. Uh, we want to see how the first two weeks goes. Uh, related to practices and and uh, individual skill instruction for student athletes, and then we'll we'll start building from there. When we talk about trying to move fall sports and fall championships to the spring, 
everyone wants to know when is that going to happen and unfortunately uh, unless you have some news to break to us but there it's a timeline that we just don't know right now so for maybe those that are kind of curious and getting a little antsy right now wondering what are maybe some ways or even if there's some resources out there that people can go to to try to understand more of the current situation where can that be so I would say the NCAA.org has some um, pretty good information on it. They have a COVID-19 uh, page that they anyone that wants to can go on there and peruse whether or not there's rule changes, uh, medical information, um, and then just council updates um, throughout their meetings over the summer. Um, the, the next NCAA council meeting is uh, in mid-September. So we're hoping that uh, some information comes out of that in regards to playing and practice seasons for um, not just the fall sports, but like what basketball and winter sports might look like as well. I'm going to kind of leave on this question here, as I've been asking over the last couple of interviews. Um, a lot of people have had the opportunity over the past few months to kind of reassess and reevaluate how not only they're operating within their position and those around them, but what changes that they could make that are being implemented right now to where they're working ahead. So I'm curious, as you've kind of looked back on all of this, what are maybe some things that have just stood out to you saying that, okay, yeah, these are some things that, you know, can be adapted better or some things that I was pretty happy about doing then that have really helped me now. Um, Hmm, great question. So I, th I think a lot of realization is that we can do a lot of this, a lot of our work from home. So um, where we used to always see many, many hours spent within an athletics department, um, I think there's a realization that, hey, you know what, I can take it home, maybe have um, dinner, uh, with family and and then jump back on whereas you might be staying in the office until 10 o'clock at night to get what you need done um, I think some changes is is making sure that you're electronically um, capable of being on the go because um, at any moment they can turn around and say hey we're shutting down campus again and you need to be able to get off as, as quick as possible um, so all the processes in place from a compliance standpoint, can you just take that and move without your filing cabinets? And has that transition been a good enough transition for you that you've been able to get everything that you want done from home? Yeah, I definitely can do um, mostly everything. Uh, the NCAA has um, pretty much uh, web-based platforms across the board. So all that is, is accessible from home and then uh, we have a product that um, the coaches can just go on and it actually uh, just works. It workflows to me directly. So it works pretty well. Awesome. Megan, thanks for taking a few minutes to chat with us. And I know we'll probably be in contact as we go forward because as we said, it's kind of fluid right now, but hopefully sooner rather than later, we're going to be back on the field in courts of play. Great. It was a pleasure being on and uh, go Stacks. Go Stags. That's going to do it for this episode of the Stag Sports Network podcast. For more information, make sure to stay with us on social media at Fairfield Stags on Twitter and Instagram, and of course, Stag Sports Net on Twitter as well. So signing off for now, JJ Duke saying, Go Stags.
Thank you for listening to the Stag Sports Network podcast. For past and future podcasts, visit fairfieldstags.com.